friends to the tomb of ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. I am the tomb's proprietor, Headstone P. Gravely, and here I are two captive hosts, Shrey Lawson and James Hickson. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. My name is James Hickson. And I'm Trey Lawson. The man, the legend, the sex symbol. <laughs> um, speaking of sex symbols, Trey, we're going to start the show a little bit differently today. Oh, really? Uh, we actually have some mail. We got mail? We've got letters. We've got letters. We've got lots and lots of letters. Letters! Okay, we've only got one, but I'll take it! Is, is it from our families, finally figuring out where we are? No. It's uh, from Paul M. Dickey. The Paul M. Dickey? Wait. The same. Who's, who's Paul M. Dickey? We'll have that talk later. <laughs> Subject on this one is Love the Podcast. I found your podcast through the ad on the Fantasticast. Really enjoying it, and it inspired me to do some man-thing digital painting. Sorry, really enjoyed it, and it inspired me to do this man-thing digital painting. Keep up the great work, Paul M. Dickey. And he's attached a very good digital painting of man-thing. Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. Um, we appreciate both the feedback and the fact that like, you, you sent us the thing that you worked on. Like that, That's cool. You sent us art! We, we like art. We, we're, we're artful fellows. Indeed. Uh, we actually like it so much um, that, Paul, with your permission, we're going to go ahead and make this the cover image for this episode. So, um, assuming the, the, the that worked this time, or that you saw the cover image for this, uh, you, you will see um, Paul's very nice painting of Man-Thing. Yeah. So, and it's kind you. of appropriate, because we've actually got a man thing issue we're going to talk about this week. Yeah, that it's perfect. Right, because this week on the show we are talking about Marvel Spotlight number eleven, featuring the final appearance. Final being a Let's put an asterisk on that. Yeah, put an <laughs> asterisk on that. Final appearance of Ghost Rider as the title character in the book. Yes, there we go. Uh. And Adventure Into Fear number 15, featuring the continued adventure of, adventures of Steve Gerber's Man-Thing. And they both promise to be a great ride. Yeah, yeah, this is a, a little bit shorter uh, selection than we've had in recent episodes. Um, but I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with both of these books, and there's plenty to talk about. Right, and I think this does finish up the books for August 1973. Yes. Yeah, we've been working through this one month for a while now. At least three episodes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it'll be exciting to see what comes uh, with next month's offerings. I think I know. Ooh. September 1973. Indeed. All right. So speaking of these offerings, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and have a word from some other podcasts and, um, you know, some advertising and we will be right back with 
Marvel Spotlight number 11, Season of the Witch Woman. The Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover each issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo of Marvel's first family. And in 2019, we begin our journey through the neon decade, the 1980s. Join us as we cover... All-time classic runs from John Byrne and Walt Simonson. She-Hulk and Sharon Ventura join the Fantastic Four. The Invisible Girl No More, here comes The Invisible Woman. Spin-off series including Marvel 2-in-1 and The Thing. Marvel's Secret Wars, The Trial of Reed Richards and more. Find us at thefantasticast.com on iTunes and all other podcast services. The Fantasticast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? At St. Bernard Academy, four outsiders are about to make all their wishes come true. With a vengeance. Magic. <laughs> we can make things happen. You're a witch. Surprise. <laughs> the craft. Girls, watch out for those weirdos. We are the weirdos, mister. Rated R at Theaters Friday. And we're back to Tomb of Ideas with our first issue of the day, Marvel Spotlight number 11. Cover date is August 1973. The title is Season of the Witch Woman. It's written by Gary Friedrich, penciled by Tom Sutton. Inker is Sid Shores, the colorist is Gwyneth Weed, and the editor is Roy Thomas. The Witch Woman towers over the Ghost Rider, vowing to send his soul to Satan. She binds the Rider with flaming shackles and reveals that while her powers are merely equal to his, she has actually taken the time to become proficient with them. Witch Woman goes on to reveal her origin. She is Linda Littletrees, daughter of Snake Dance. She was raised in poverty on a reservation, but eventually went to college, where she was introduced to witchcraft by her roommate, Jennifer. One night, while Linda slept, Jennifer summoned Satan himself, who took Linda as his own. As Johnny Blaze keeps interrupting her extended flashback, the witch woman uses her magic to gag his flaming skull before continuing. Jennifer later took Linda to her first Sabbath, where the other witches sacrificed her to the devil. As she recounts the experience of being in the presence of Satan, her grasp on the Ghost Rider begins to slip, and he escapes. He leaps onto his trusty motorcycle, and the two begin to duel. However, Satan intercedes, having decided that Witch Woman has failed him. Ghost Rider uses the distraction to escape, and with a death-defying motorcycle jump, he lands far away from the Witch Woman's lair. Having lost the fight, Witch Woman turns her Hellfire powers on herself and falls to a flaming death. As Ghost Rider reflects on his responsibility for what has happened, the sun rises and he transforms back into Johnny Blaze. Could it be... Satan? <laughs> um, so we learned a lot from this yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. We learned... That if you let your kids go to college, they'll turn to Satanism. Right, right. Yep, That that's, I mean, higher education is a gateway to the occult arts, yes. Yep, and that they're liberal thinking, yep. too. Uh, so, I think this makes my decision for me. I'm not going to send my teenager to college next year. <laughs> Which is actually going to save me a lot of money, and I didn't even have to switch so to Geico. On the other side of that, 
Hellfire powers are pretty cool. Yeah, they are. And apparently, cool. if you get them through your college roommate, like you don't even have to deal with the whole flaming skull thing. Yeah, we definitely don't have the mythos of the spirit of vengeance in anywhere right. in here. Yeah, we're, yet. we're still we're still figuring out exactly how the Ghost Rider thing works. True. Although I will say. Speaking of how the Ghost Rider thing works, this Tom Sutton artwork is better this is. issue. I, I agree. I, I thought uh, the, the skull looks a lot less like a mask. Yeah, um, that was my big yeah. concern. Um, I don't know if he got some some notes from editorial or what, but but he course corrected. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, um, and I, um, I just enjoy. I, we're not at a point yet where they've integrated the Satanism of the Ghost Rider book into the mythology of the Marvel Universe's version of Hell. Um, but because of that, I kind of love that every time Satan appears, it's like a heavy metal cover. True. Like, like it's like an album cover or something. Like, it's always, like, the horns and the flames and usually in silhouette. And I don't know. It, it's just kind of cool. Although, I love the way... I, I kind of love the way he looks on the cover, Oh, though. yeah, where he's just sort of in the background. Yeah, he's in the background, the big high collar and the horns. It's very um, Night on Bald Mountain. Yeah. Uh, so, we should probably talk about this yeah, issue. Yeah, <laughs> um, It's a fun issue. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is taken up with flashback. Um, it's yeah. mostly the Witch Woman's origin. Which, not the most accurate portrayal of witches I've ever no. seen. Um, it's, uh, it is of its time. Yeah. Although, but it's, I, I it's, have to say, yeah, <laughs> the the sort of casualness with which Jennifer discusses her cult coven whatever reminds me of the female character from the Morbius comic recently. Like, just just the sort of flippant nature of, oh yeah, I'm in a cult. I I, I deal with Satan. That's cool. <laughs> I get, I, su- I suppose. Uh, I don't get how she becomes friends with this woman. Because oh. when she first meets her, she opens the door and she says, Peace, Redskin. Me friendly. What's your What's your word, Kimosabe? Yeah. My first response would be like, fuck you. And even in the next panel, when Linda tries to be nice and introduces herself as Linda Littletrees... And asks if Jennifer lives in in this uh, this place, and Jennifer's response is only temporarily. If that last name is for real, the fuck does that supposed to mean? I'm pretty sure it means that Jennifer's racist. Racist, racist, racist. Um, and yet they immediately become bestest friends because of Satan, including sharing. Sharing Jennifer's satanic um, books yep. with her. And candles. Yep. There's a part in here. <sighs> Hold on. Where they refer to themselves as the Apache and the Witch. Yeah. And I, I remember that Sony sitcom, don't you? <laughs> I mean, that actually it's, sounds pretty cool. It's the Apache and the Witch. Hey. That, that actually sounds pretty cool, though. <laughs> Like maybe not as a sitcom, oh. but like as a weird Western comic book. Right? I can see that. You could easily do it up in like the Deadlands yeah, setting. Or spin it off of the Phantom Rider. Oh uh, yeah. 
wow, wouldn't a, a female-centric um, comic western duo series been freaking amazing in the 1970s? Oh, I, I would read that in a heart. I would read that now in a heartbeat. Yeah, the Apache and the Witch just having adventures, like fighting the patriarchy and being like, heck yeah. Yeah. Um, l- looking back at the, the art for this issue, though, um, they, they make a big deal out of the, the visual manifestation of the mark of Satan. I can't imagine that's going to come up again. No, what would make you think that? I. Is it just me? Are they really peddling the flesh aspect of this? Absolutely, yeah. It's like, well, you need to be wearing uh, this halter top and these short shorts in order to summon Satan. Well, and, and that's something that, like, in the most negative portrayals of covens, like, the, the sexual aspect of the relationship with Satan has always been a part of it. Which shows what they know. Most witches I know do their stuff skybound. <laughs> That means naked. But, um, yeah. But yes, no, I, I think you're right. The, the, they're definitely banking on uh, the witch woman's attractiveness to help sell this book. Hot college coeds and the devil. I think I've seen that movie. You probably have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, there's a scene in here where, where Linda is recounting the story of the ritual and the look on her face oh yeah i know exactly where you're talking about she's apparently so enraptured by her recounting of the story that her spell drops and ghost raider is able to escape she's remembering the ecstasy of being in satan's presence yup no implications there um i will also say this is really one of the best like action set pieces that Ghost Rider has had in a while. Like, their sort of Hellfire duel. It doesn't last very long, but it's nice him having a real opponent as opposed to, like, the random bikers and stuff that we've had in past issues. Although, Linda Littletrees comes off, like, previous last issue, as this really awesome opponent. And now in this issue, she's a scared little girl. Right, and and it's almost like this issue, the way this issue presents things, it's like she only had the upper hand because she caught him off guard. What it feels like, this issue, is that they realize they're going to start on a new issue and a new title next month, so they're trying to make sure they have wrapped up all the loose ends in Marvel right. Spotlight. so that it's not doing the thing that, like... Werewolf by Night kind of did, where, like, you're almost picking up in the middle of a cliffhanger with an issue number one. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're trying to Which, avoid. that's fair. It's unfortunate for the Witch Woman character, because I think some of the weirdness of the origin aside, that's a character that had some potential. Yeah, I mean, the character had legs, and I'm not just talking about what's coming out of her shorts. <laughs> um, so, it's... It's unfortunate because she had the potential to be a strong villain, a strong female villain, at a time where Marvel really didn't have a lot of those. Yeah, well, and also just in terms of, like, native representation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like, Shaman and Talisman from Alpha Flight don't come up until, like, what, 86 or so? 85, 86? True. 
And it's got me wondering, does this mean that Snake Dance is going to come looking for revenge for his Mm. daughter? Because as far as he knows, she just died burned to death with Hellfire. Right. So as much as as loathe as I am to see Snake Dance again, it kind of makes sense to have him come looking for revenge. Right, to, to do some sort of follow-up, even if not right away. Yeah. Um, so, um, this is Ghost Rider's last starring appearance in Marvel Spotlight. Um, yeah. It's worth looking to the letters page, then, because it, it sort of follows up on some things that we had talked about with the last issue, but also looks ahead to some things that are coming up. Um there one sort of consensus across the letters that I see is uh, that other readers at the time felt much as we did that uh, when Plug left the book, the art was not as good. No. Uh, but also, one, uh, one reader complains that Marvel Spotlight is supposed to introduce new characters before giving them a solo title. So far, after Werewolf by Night, this comic has only had Ghost Rider. <laughs> I thought your plan was to give the strip a tryout, and if it went over well, you give it its own book and replace the other comic with a new feature. Uh, the Marvel spotlight is getting dusty. There hasn't been a Marvel premiere, a real premiere, for months. And that was from Randy Miller of Winona, Minnesota. Um, and he actually demands a no prize uh, at the end of his letter, which seems a bit forward for my taste, but uh, uh, in fact... Yeah, if you demand a no prize, you don't fact, get one, uh, in my opinion. In fact, the reply very deliberately does not give him a no prize, but instead promises that uh, Ghost Rider will be spinning off a new character for the next issue of Marvel Spotlight. Uh, in fact, they plan to debut perhaps the weirdest spinoff strip of all, The Mark of Satan. That's right, gang. The flaming father figure of the Netherworld in his own strip. And in the fire-forged first tale, Ghost Rider himself appears as a guest star. Groovy Gary Friedrich, who created our cycle Spook, will be at the scripting helm, so don't miss it. That's Marvel Spotlight number 10, featuring the Mark of Satan. Hey, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm going to have to pray on this. Uh, First off, obviously, this is written before they make the decision to change it to Son of Satan. Right, Uh, that, that... This was before Roy Thomas won that fight in the editorial <laughs> meeting. Yeah, and even before... My God, how much lead time did this, ha- did this have? No, I have no idea. I mean, was this was Marvel Spotlight a monthly title? It had to have been. We've been reading it monthly, haven't we? No, oh, we okay, haven't. so it's, it's not a monthly we've, book. We've, we've been reading it every other, mo- every other month. That's the lead time, then. Yeah. So... It's going to be interesting to see how rushed the next yeah. issue is. Um, also, at the at, at the end of that same, have a huge at the end of that same reply, uh, they also announced that they're reviving Strange Tales uh, to feature the brand new character Brother Voodoo. So another title for us, um, which will be scripted by Lynn Ween and illustrated by Gene Colan. Ooh, it'll look yeah. pretty at least. So Ghost Rider in his own mag, the the debut of the Mark of Satan, which we now know is actually Son of Satan. And Brother Voodoo and Strange yep. Tales. We're gonna have a lot to talk about yeah, on the show. Yeah, I, I think we'll be doing more episode, more episodes that split up months. Almost certainly. 
In fact, we need to talk about yeah. that at the end of our recording, how we're going to split up September, because there's a lot yeah, of stuff there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I thought this was really about as good a send-off of Ghost Rider out of Spotlight as we could have hoped for. Yeah, it's it's a bit unfortunate for Witch Woman, because she kind of gets the legs cut out from right. underneath her. Um, where it's like, you're, you're doing great, and it all goes right. to hell. Literally. Da 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 da. Satan. Um, I will say I, I mostly was was happy with the art, although the in the flashback the uh, sort of weirdness of Satan manifesting in the bedroom and, and that whole sequence made me wish we had someone like Plug on board. There are some attempts to do interesting oh, yeah. things no, in the, the art. The artist is doing his very best Plug impression. Yes. Like, the part where she is summoning Satan, there's kind of like this panel in the middle here, which has some good, uh, for lack of a better word, camera oh, work. yeah, where it's just her angles. eyes at the bottom of the panel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably one of the most effective parts of that sequence, is that panel in the middle of the page. Yep. So, yeah. It's, also, I just want to say, I I like the cover on this one. For, we, we mentioned the, the way that Satan is depicted on the cover, but it's just one of the cooler renderings of Ghost Rider in that he is riding his motorcycle up the side of a mountain. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why we're in the we're in the Pueblos. Me either. Well, because he went through that vortex, I guess, that pulled him to where she was. But why are they at the Pueblos? I, I don't know. She, she's an Apache. Right. right. The Apaches don't live in Pueblos. No, no they don't. It's, it, it's just, it's, it's it, odd. It is very odd. Um, but yeah, but but they do so, definitely spend plenty of time emphasizing those pentagram inside a circle symbols, um, which will become very prominent in Son of Satan. Yeah, extremely so. Like they've already landed on their branding for that character, I guess. Oh, wow, you said branding. I did. I'm. I, I can't help it. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just on fire. Oh, they stop. <laughs> I I will say another just another little art thing is I'm not a hundred percent on board with the transformation from Ghost Rider to Johnny Blaze at the end of the issue, partly because I think Johnny's face looks really weird in close up. Um, But I do like the way the flames turn into his blonde hair. Something just occurred to me. What happened to Jennifer? Um, I imagine that whole coven is still like there. Hmm. I mean, they sacrificed her, and uh, and then yeah, she, uh, she got her her Satan powers. I mean, I doubt we'll ever see her right, again. But there is this weird like coven that recruits college students just out there, huh? Yep. Yeah. So until a coven of witches comes to sacrifice us to Satan, I think that does it for another issue of Marvel Spotlight featuring Ghost Rider. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Adventure into Fear, number 15, featuring Man-Thing. Eric Roberts is a fucking man. He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began. We should give him every medal. Hi, I'm Doug. And I'm Liam. And we made a blood oath to watch and discuss the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Listen to us as we watch The Good, Bad, and Ugly. 
from the career of one of America's most prolific actors. It's Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the podcast. Find us on iTunes or at ericrobertsistheman.com. NASA Space Probe returns bearing the killer spores. And they've got Mark Harris, the man from Atlantis. They're loose in the world, and they control Mark's friends. And that's the most dangerous battle. The Man from Atlantis, an all-new movie thriller. Tuesday at 8, 7 Central and Mountain Time, followed by the best of police story on NBC. Welcome back to Move Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. My name is James Hickson, and the next issue we'll be talking about on this episode is Adventure into Fear number 15 featuring Man-Thing. Cover date on this one is August 1973. Writer is Steve Gerber. Penciler is Val Myrick. Inker is Frank McLaughlin. Colorist is Petra Goldberg. Editor is Roy Thomas. The title of the story is From Here to Infinity. Our story picks up from last issue with the world going mad from an invasion of extra-dimensional demonic energies, energies which even affect the man-thing. Jennifer, Joshua, and Andy Kale watch as the creature rampages on the town of Citrusville. The citizens of Citrusville, also possibly influenced by demonic energies, or just being plain rednecks, retaliate against the creature, first ramming him with a truck and then gunning him down. You know, rednecks. A distraught Jennifer watches as the townspeople carry away the body of the creature, wishing to go along to learn the fate of her monstrous friend. Her grandfather Joshua consents, thinking it will keep the girl safe while he tries to find a way to stop the demonic evasion through the missing tome of Saradna. Joshua soon assembles the cult of Saradna, of which he is the leader, and begins to recount the story of Saradna herself. She was a priestess in ancient Atlantis, who was exiled when she dared prophesy that the city would soon sink beneath the waves. On the mainland, she gained followers who transcribed her words. When the massive earthquake that sinks nearby Atlantis strikes, however, others believe that Zaradna is the cause, causing them to slay the priestess and put torch to her prophecies, except one. Meanwhile, back in a modern day, Jennifer Hale is mourning the man-thing, when she is visited by the sorcerer Dakim, Dakima, Dakimha, I think the age is silent, who explains that her previous encounter had been a test and that they together, along with the man-thing, must go forth into the cosmos to retrieve the tome and save reality. They find a tome at an orb-shaped temple that is guarded by a tiny elf named Yop. Yop does a little jig and a tree or a cast into a hellscape where Joshua, Andy, and the other cultists have already been captured. The Man-Thing fights a fiery rock monster and is on the verge of losing when Jennifer grabs to the tome, causing the hellscape to dissolve and all of our protagonists to return to the swamp. Now, back on his home turf, Man-Thing makes short work of the rock monster. Jennifer tries to rush to her friend, but now that the threat is over, their bond is severed and the creature turns away from the distraught girl and shambles back to the swamp this is a good issue it's a really good issue i mean they're both good issues this 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 episode i actually really enjoyed the ghostwriter story i think that may be the first time i've really said that 
Yeah, yeah. And, and the two issues kind of have a lot in common. Um, you mean tons of I exposition? Mean, well, I was going to say because of a woman on the cover not wearing a whole lot of clothes. But yeah, sure. Uh, exposition and exposition. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, also that both issues take a lot of time on flashbacks that fill in story information. Yeah. And both issues do deal with which both flashbacks deal with witchcraft. Yes. Um, I, I do kind of want, like, are we supposed to take, I mean, I guess we are, but this is Namor's Atlantis, right? Like the, like the prehistory of what became Namor's Atlantis. I feel like Marvel has multiple Atlantises or, oh. or maybe that's DC that has multiple Atlantises. I can never keep my Atlantis straight because I don't give a shit. <laughs> I have I, mean, ne- I, I definitely got a uh, Peter David Atlantis Chronicles vibe from some of the flashback stuff. I have never cared about Atlantis except for the real one. Mm. And by real one, I mean probably not real. And we're going to get <laughs> letters, which we'll read on the air because please send us letters. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, I... I what I'm curious about is why does it seem like Atlantis is a Viking culture? Um, that's a good question. Um, the aesthetic here is solid Nordic. Yes. Yeah, with the the horned helms and and like it, it looks like they borrowed art from like an old Thor story. Right. Their boats are carved like dragons. Yep. It's 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 interesting. It, it was also a twist I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting to get to get a sword and sorcery flashback in the I, middle of man thing. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if because calling it sword and sorcery, like that could be why it has the Viking influence. Is that Conan the Barbarian was popular? Yes, but uh, I really liked the sword and sorcery <laughs> interlude. Yeah. I mean, even um, um, uh, what's her name, uh, Zerid Na. And later, Jennifer Hale, like that outfit that they both wear, has almost kind of a Red Sonja vibe. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's definitely very revealing, especially on Jennifer. Yeah. Which it brings me to one of the problematic parts of the issue. Uh huh. That they keep emphasizing that she's a child. They keep on forgetting that she's a fucking child. It's in the captions. Ah. <sighs> uh... Like page nineteen of the comic, I think the bottom, an eons old wizard, a child whose courage cannot be measured in years, and a man thing to whom time and space and courage are meaningless words. And yet, they put her in the skimpiest goddamn outfit I have ever seen. I mean, why would a priestess wear that? Um, I mean, we could ask the coven from the previous issue. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> but like. Another problem, mm-hmm. and it has to do with her age, mm-hmm. is in the beginning of the issue, she emphasizes that she loves the man thing. Yep. And I'm like, love. It's a loaded word. Yeah, that was awfully damn quick. Although, I know from experience that teenagers throw the freaking L word around like it's freaking Mardi Gras beads. <laughs> well, and, and, and there's also... Like, it's complicated by the fact that she can apparently sense Ted Salas inside the Man-Thing. Yeah. But he's got, like, doctorates and stuff. He's old. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's, like, at least... He's, like, our age or older. 
Right. There's nothing okay old. about any of this. Like, the more we talk about this, the angrier I get about this issue. I mean, the issue itself is really good. It's an entertaining ride. It's lots of fun. Steve Gerber does a good job writing it. But Jesus Christ, stop sexualizing the child. Right. And I think what bothers me is none of that stuff is necessary. No. You could take you could take every bit of it out and still have the exact same story with the exact same stakes. Yeah. You could just have her identify the man thing as her friend and he he, he needs help. Right. Emphasize that they have this psychic bond that makes her empathetic to him or something. Right. I mean, oh no, no they can't. I won't let them. I care about that ugly thing would be just as effective as I love that ugly thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, it kind of accentuates the purity of Jennifer. Right. You're like, look what link she's willing to go to for her friend. Mm-hmm. Her friend who's a monster. But no, she has to love him. I will say I wasn't crazy about the design of the uh, molten monster that Man-Thing fights. Um, in that he basically just looks like someone held a lighter up to a Ben Graham action figure for a few minutes. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Johnny went too far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Ben. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Kill me! <laughs> like, it's not, it's not a good look. No. <laughs> it's not a good look. Well, because at first, when he's just, like, emerging from the ground, I'm thinking, okay, cool, this is going to be, like, sort of an old-style 50s Kirby monster, you know? But then he yeah. appears, it's like, no, that that's just a really off-model Ben Grimm. Yeah, he, he's like, you know, Trank Ben Grimm. Right, right. Well, that's right. Deep cut from 2015. <laughs> oh, hey, I saw a thing the other day. That movie actually made more money than Dark Phoenix. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Damn. That is... Oof. Yep. <laughs> that gotta hurt. Some of those people are actual real-life fucking freaking stars. Yeah, yeah. Oof. All right, then. Um, But looking back to the issue... Um, okay. Uh, the way it ends is weird. How so? I mean, in that, up to this point, it feels like what we've been building is this uh, sort of supporting cast of Man-Thing and Jennifer and her family and the sort of symbiotic relationship of all of them as they protect the nexus of realities, even though they're not calling it that yet. Mm-hmm. And the the last few panels sort of suggest that's falling apart. Like, the bond between you is broken. Right. Where Which, knowing what we know about where this book goes, makes me really interested on in how that's going to play out. Right. Right. I guess that's what I'm wondering is uh, I know that what's what is said on this last page can't be true. And so I don't know how we get away from where they leave it. No. And I I did forget in my summary to include the fact that the book does disappear. Mm. It, the, the, the Grandpa, the tome, look, it's vanishing. Then that right. must mean. And then that's when he realized the invasion is over. And that's right. when man thing kind of rejects Jennifer. Right. Right. The The. the fight is over right next issue we are pl- promised the flaming arrow um it's nice to see that oliver queen no longer feels the need to hide his true self and is able to come <laughs> out 
to everyone I, and not I thought this was uh, going to be yet another of uh Clint Barton's failed secret identities. You leave Clint Barton alone, goddammit. I mean he's had how many different names now besides Hawkeye? Awesome. His name is Awesome Sauce. <laughs> you leave Clint Barton alone, sir. <laughs> okay. I mean Goliath was a bit of a stretch. Oh, do 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 you and do do you and the girlfriend need to have a talk, man? Because you are making a lot of dad jokes. <laughs> I can't help it. I speak pun. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, that is exceptional, sir. You're welcome. Um. So yeah. Uh. I have no idea what the flaming arrow actually will signify. Uh, no. Eat it, Joes. <laughs> so this is unlike uh, with uh, with Ghost Rider here. We'll be continuing within the same title for a while. Um, but it does feel... Both books very much feel like sort of the end of a chapter, you know? Yes. Which makes you really interested in where they're going with it. Yeah. And I feel like this is... Like, Gerber has laid the groundwork for the kinds of stories and the kinds of characters he wants to feature. And now he's he's sort of getting to really play in that toolbox. Yeah. And he's he's laid out the toolbox very well. This has a really good supporting cast. Uh, I would actually argue, again, Werewolf by Night and Man-Thing have the most interesting supporting casts. Uh, right. To a Dracula... It has a good supporting cast, it's just we haven't seen them in forever. Right. Well, and it's weird because, in that case, the supporting cast and the title character are in opposition. True. It's a very different dynamic. Yeah. Um, whereas, I don't think I could tell you a single recurring character in Ghost Rider besides Johnny Blaze and Roxanne. Satan? Yes! Satan! He's the glue that holds everything together. <laughs> I'm getting that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Satan. He's the glue that holds everything together. <laughs> I'm gonna get beat up. <laughs> oh. Um. So, I-, I thought the art in this one was, aside from that monster, uh, was pretty good. Like, the, it's weird that Atlantis looks Nordic. Um, yeah. Usually, it, it, most depictions of Atlantis I've seen in comics don't lean into that quite so much. Um, although, what do I know? Aquaman has blonde hair and blue eyes, so... True. Uh... But, like, the the early stuff with, like, the, the mobs inciting violence and shooting at Man-Thing and all that stuff's good. Yeah, and again, I'm not sure if they are being... Con- being influenced by demonic energies or if it's just a Friday night in Florida. I mean, right, right. I, I, I tend to think that the demonic energies are bringing out, like, negative aspects of them that are already there. Yeah. Let's drive our pickup truck into somebody who's different from us. Okay. I'm just, I'm just upset that they haul away Man-Thing by hooking up to a tow truck. They do. You're right. Like and apparently just dumped him in the swamp because we don't see them dump the body. But that's right. where that's where Jennifer is mourning him. So right. we are led to believe they just 
dumped him in the swamp. Right. Um, I also am just endlessly amused by uh, the cult of Zeridna and how whenever they get together to discuss matters of, like, the fate of the world, that they take the time to go put on their wizard's robes. <laughs> I get my, put on my, I get my wand and my wizard hat. I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So let us light the incense and chant the chants. So that does it for Man-Thing. Yeah. We, 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 I think we've exhausted um, what the Swamp has to offer us this week. Um, right. Um, but so... we'll be back next episode with our coverage of Monsters Unleashed number two, featuring the monster of Frankenstein. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 124, featuring... Trey, should we tell him? It's Man-Wolf, y'all. We got Man-Wolf. Motherfucking Man-Wolf! Oh, yeah. Yes! So, and we're excited about that. We're, we're just a wee bit excited about Man-Wolf. <laughs> so, anyway, if you, too, are excited about Man-Wolf, you can write us a, write to us about it, or anything else you want to write us about. You can be a really uh, cool guy, like Paul Dickey, and you don't even have to send us artwork. Although... Art would be appreciated. Oh, yeah. Fan art's really cool. We appreciate that. But we love hearing from you guys about anything, whether it's uh, your own thoughts about the comics we're talking about, if you have feedback about the format or content of the show, um, or if you have questions. Uh, We'll be happy to uh, uh, read out uh, your your emails on the air and uh, and respond in kind. so uh, you can hit us up at email, uh, tombofideas at gmail.com. Um, we're on Twitter, at tombofideas. We're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash tombofideas. Um, am I leaving any out? No, I think it's everything. If you are, I've forgotten them too. Okay. Uh, um, so please, let us hear from you. Um, and of course, we are part of the Cinepunks podcast group. Um, they have a lot of other really cool podcasts for you to uh, check out, um, including Black Sun Dispatches, um, the the flagship Cinepunks podcast, Horror Business, and of course uh, our other uh, sister comics show, uh, The Flight Stuff, going issue by issue through Alpha Flight. Right. Um, and they actually just uh, wrapped up the original John Byrne run, so they've got a, a pretty good backlog of stuff to, to go and, and binge, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's really, really good show. Uh, speaking of good shows, weren't you on another podcast recently? Um, so I was on uh, Eric Roberts is the Man, uh, which is a uh, podcast all about the uh, life and filmography of character actor Eric Roberts. Um it is hosted by Liam O'Donnell and Doug Tilly, um, and I was on their penultimate episode. Uh, they are wrapping up that podcast, apparently, uh, and so we talked about a uh, uh, a low-budget, asylum-produced monster movie that featured Eric Roberts in a small role called uh, Monster Island. Uh, something I've been meaning to watch, but I did take a listen to the episode. You you acquainted yourself quite well. Oh, thank you. Um I uh, figured I would I would represent as uh, one of the sort of monster and horror affiliated podcasters uh, among the Cinepunks hosts. Definitely worth giving a listen to, guys, if you have not done so. Um, but Trey, 
I think that does it for another Tomb of Ideas. I think so. Uh, so catch us uh, next time with Monsters Unleashed number two and Amazing Spider-Man 124. Until then, I'm Trey Lawson. And I'm James Hickson, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Until next time, Tomb members, Excelsior! <laughs>okay i thought that was good yep i'm I'm glad we cut it off there i was starting to run out of hell related puns Uh, you're going to hell (laughs) funnily enough the hell you go to you have to review marvel horror comics i i I can do that thing (laughs) (laughs) as a rod as a rod shit (laughs) at the missing tome of shit